0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Letters to Myself podcast. I hope you are all having a great February uh, since the last time that I've updated. Today is Monday, February 21st. It is family day here in Canada, so we all got the day off. It's like a holiday where we spend time with our family, and I did as well today, so I just spent the day inside with everyone. But overall, I'm really excited that this is going to be the second podcast episode in the shortest month of the year. So I'm really happy with my consistency so far. I do feel like I have a lot of work and there's still so much to do in terms of improving the quality of the podcast. Uh, So the first thing I'm aiming for is just more regular uploads. And the second thing I am aiming for is to increase the length and then improve just the articulation of my thoughts, Like, I want them to be definitely more organized. That's an important step for me because I noticed I do say, um, a lot or that the flow of the language that I use is not the best, especially compared to other podcasts that I listen to. But then I also have to remember the fact that the podcasts I do listen to, they're editors and they're very, they have a lot of capital to work with and a lot of experience with public speaking or just in social media in general. So, we're going to see where this goes, but uh yeah, let's just I guess jump right into the topics of today. So, first thing I'm going to discuss is there're just a few shows that I've been watching that I feel like I want to talk about today. So, the first one is Selling Sunset on Netflix. And I honestly thought I wouldn't get into this because I'm not much of a reality TV person, like I've I'm not I'm just not a fan. I prefer, I guess, fictional TV shows. What are some of my favorite shows? Like growing up, I I loved Gossip Girl and the Vampire Diaries. So those are kind of a vibe of shows I like. And right now I'm currently watching The Queen's Gambit. So a lot of historical period pieces as well, set in different time zones. But this was actually really entertaining for me. I don't know. I feel like I really and enjoying it. I love specifically seeing the houses that are being put on the market and I don't really care so much about the drama that goes on with the characters because I know it's probably staged but I don't know I just feel like it's addicting and I think maybe reality TV is supposed to be addictive I don't know. The one thing I do find crazy though is that it's set in uh Los Angeles and what I think they say is the sunset strip and the houses are obviously like multi-million dollar homes. So it's like luxury real estate. But some of the houses are not very far off in price from houses I see on sale in Toronto, which is where I live. And if you live in Toronto or if you live in Canada in general, you know about how crazy the prices are for homes here and how they have just skyrocketed. And there are literally unfinished bungalow houses selling for 1.5 1.6 million dollars right now so there's there's obviously a housing crisis there's there's an affordability crisis i don't know if i'm ever going to own a home myself because of that it like it worries me and i I know that it worries everyone in my generation because it is absolutely ridiculous and we know that that's not what the houses are actually worth like it could be a trash non-updated probably has like um The house could probably have asbestos or like be in like terrible health conditions. And I swear it would still sell for like 1.6. Like that is the place we are at where it's just not affordable to live anywhere anymore. But anyways, I found it so crazy that there are houses there that were being sold for maybe like 2.3, 2.4 million. And that is a crazy amount of money. Like, don't get me wrong. But the houses that were selling for that much on Selling Sunset were like beautifully done And it's in California. Hello. And then there are houses here in Toronto where it's cold for most of the year. And there are literal shacks selling for almost that much. So I was just thinking about it. I'm like, wow, like I really live, I'm really living here. I'm really living in a society, but I'm still going to love it. It is what it is. So, yeah, I just found that interesting. And I mean, a girl can hope, like I know, I know one day. You know, I can dream and I can do my best to one day be able to have my dream home, which is like a mid century modern style home and have it the way that I want. It's nice to dream. It's nice to think of the future and plan for it. But as of right now, in the present moment, like I know that this is probably that this probably exists in other countries as well. I'm not going to speak on behalf of them because I don't live there, but I'm saying specifically for where I live, it is just really sad actually that the housing crisis and the fact that it's not affordable for anyone that even if you're making a decent income you still can't afford a house here it's just it was kind of sad actually but anyways the next show that i want to talk about is euphoria because it is just so good um, I'm a little bit late on starting the second season. So I'm on season two, episode four right now, and I'm almost done. But I just feel like this season is even more intense than the first one. Like, I just remember I watched uh, the first season in 2020, like in the summer, and it was like intense, but it gave me more like skins vibes. If you've seen the UK version of skins, like it was kind of just partying and, you know, drugs and sex, the usual. But this season is so much more serious, and it deals with very very like I don't even know how to explain it. like there's violence, there's a a lot of undertones of abuse, which I mean did exist in the first season, but there's more of an emphasis on it now. I feel like some of the episodes can even be triggering, to be quite honest. but it's so compelling. like I can't take my eyes off of the episodes because, The filming is just so well done. The characters, their ugly sides, their imperfect, human, flawed sides are just perfectly presented to get you to want to know more, like you need to know more. I think my favorite characters are obviously Maddie and Lexi, and I like Fez as well, which is pretty much everyone else's favorites, I'm assuming too, like everybody's loving Lexi and Maddie as well. And the characters I don't like, uh, hello, Cassie. Nate, I hated him. Like, I've always hated him. I hated him in the first season, too. He's an abusive prick, piece of shit. But Cassie is just terrible. And I'm also not really vibing with Jules either. Because I feel like the whole Elliot situation, that shouldn't have happened. And then Kat, I really have no Comment. Like, I haven't seen enough of her in the season yet to really form an opinion. But yeah, if you watch it, like, (laughs) let me know what you think because I just love talking to people about current TV shows. And I think it's definitely one of the most exciting shows I've seen in a long time. And the music, like, the whole soundtrack of the series is perfect too. I have, I listened to all the songs from the series. So anyways, that was just a little update on some shows I'm watching. The next thing I wanted to talk about pretty quickly is just one (laughs) book that I've been reading or that sorry that I finished reading, which is called Think Again by Adam Grant. I read it pretty quickly. But it I rated it a five stars on Goodreads. It was a really great read. And once again, I love that it incorporated a lot of stories and anecdotal evidence Sorry, not angel, evidence, just stories kind of woven into the evidence to give examples and make it easier to understand the content of the book. Now, I highlighted a lot of of quotes and just uh, phrases throughout the book. I'm going to put them all up on my Goodreads as well but essentially the whole prospect and content of the book is just telling us about how we don't rethink our actions and we are so rigid in our way of thinking and that this actually leads to consequences and that we can become better thinkers if we think like scientists and scientists are always thinking with the possibility that they're wrong and are constantly reevaluating their opinions and their beliefs so the Adam Grant, the author, made it very easy to digest and kind of presented it in a way that I was kind of thinking of the own ways that I think and how I often tend to fall into the, they said the preacher or the prosecutor, which is how you present your ideas. So like a prosecutor will try to defend themselves and a preacher is kind of like, you know, you're preaching to the choir, like you're promoting it um and trying to get everybody to believe in what you want to but by behaving and thinking more like a scientist when it comes to you know maybe our core beliefs or things that we think are true and concepts like knowledge there will always be room for growth and improvement and that is definitely something i am aiming to go for additionally i really like that the author Emphasized not attaching our identity to our opinions and instead attaching our identity to our values, which is a much healthier thing than, you know, saying because I believe in this or because I think this, this is who I am and it can't change. So, literally verbatim, a quote from the book is Who you are should be a question of what you value, not what you believe. And he says, I've learned that two kinds of detachment are especially useful, detaching your present from your past and detaching your opinions from your identity. So for me, I've already been trying to do this and I feel like I've talked about it, especially in the last episode about core values. So for that, I feel like that is okay to identify with because your values don't have to change. They can actually steer you in the right direction. But When we have an opinion that we just stick to, it doesn't allow us for room to change that opinion. Or if we say, you know, I know so much about this topic and that is who I am. If that opinion is, you know, countered or maybe it's there's light shed on it that it's false or, you know, anything like that, then we kind of have an identity crisis, you know, and just he brings about this whole point that we are constantly evolving, right? So that includes rethinking how and what we think about things. So I just loved the way the information was presented. Another thing, there's also discussion about how to debate as well, which I mean, I found helpful because I do oftentimes get into debates either with family members or with other people, you know, just discussing it. And some key takeaways, which I highlighted at the end that I found resonated with me, was, of course, number one, think like a scientist. Also, yeah, define your identity in terms of values, not opinions. Seek out information that goes against your views. Harness the benefits of doubt. So it's okay to doubt ourselves and to embrace uncertainty. Embrace the joy of being wrong. He says to practice the art of persuasive listening. And another one was complexify contentious topics, which is, I think it kind of goes back to the whole concept that people often think in black and white, but things are a lot more nuanced than it is. And again, I've also been trying to apply this to my life in general as well, because I feel like this happens to all of us, but we fall into traps where we think it's either one or the other. Like you either are for this or you're against it and there's no middle ground and oftentimes, like when it comes to bigger issues, it's a lot more nuanced, and it is a lot more complex than we make it. And I think that is just about kind of getting your ego around that, and letting go of the ego that makes us think that we're always right, which is very hard to accept, especially for me because I'm oh al- I always think I'm right, but just. In the grand scheme of things, things are very gray. Like there's nothing, there's a lot of topics that are not as certain as we think they are, right? And there's so much complexity in it. Complexity in it. So I think that by accepting that, we are better able to articulate our opinions, to think the right way, to reconsider our thinking, and also just to communicate with other people and They will listen to our opinions if we're more receptive to them and we're more respectful and we ask them in the right way instead of just attacking them. So yeah, overall, I, again, I love the book and I might reread it again, maybe next year because I think it was a great read. All right. So the next topic that I kind of wanted to discuss was Self care and how there was actually, you know, what started my opinion of my idea of this was a podcast episode from Binge Topia, which is like one of my favorite podcasts right now. And they talked; I think they had an episode called the Self Care Industrial Complex. And they were just discussing, you know, self care and how, and you know, the the aesthetic of that girl that has all her shit together that you know engages in self care. And how all of it is kind of coming from a superficial place because, yes, self-care is important, but honestly, a lot of the practices that are preached don't actually in the long run do anything for our health or our mental health and don't increase our happiness. Like aesthetically, maybe yes, maybe in the moment they make you feel good and they make you feel happy if you enjoy doing it. I don't know how my phone's going off. Hold on, this is so crazy. No one texted me, but there's a noise going off. Anyways, I just feel like self-care is everywhere. You hear that buzzword everywhere. It's in articles. It's everyone is talking about it. But people who are preaching self-care, whether it's in a book or in a video, they don't know what they're talking about and they're not actually providing solutions. And I think it is entirely too superficial. So a lot of things that I've seen painted as the cure to everything are things like aromatherapy, crystals, journaling, meditation, yoga. I've heard of things like kundalini breathing and breathing techniques and silk pajamas and, um, oh my God, what is it called? The jade rollers All these things I've seen on TikTok or on various other forms of media that are painted as, you know, solutions to the problem. And I do a lot of these things, like I journal, I do yoga all the time, and it does, it does improve my mental health. But I don't think that doing all of these things can cure. I don't think that all these activities can cure someone. If you're generally If you're genuinely struggling with mental illness or if you are struggling to get ahead in life or if you are so burnt out from existing that you have no energy left to do anything. Like I don't think meditating is going to fix that. I don't think that aromatherapy, which while it's nice and relaxing, there's I haven't read any evidence that it actually works. And while I love aromatherapy and I use my diffuser all of the time because it relaxes me and it makes me feel good, I ultimately don't think that it's going to have a huge drastic impact on my day-to-day life just by doing that. Um, And I also don't think it's very productive to romanticize all of these actions. And I feel like a lot of uh, people... Are aestheticizing it, romanticizing it, making themselves feel better because they're able to do this or they have access to do all of these things throughout their day. And that somehow it makes their self care practice better and it drastically will improve all of their well being, their mental well being, their physical well being. You can see this easily through a lot of the aesthetic trends, especially on TikTok of that girl who gets up in the morning, who works out, who does all of these things, has a very cut-out routine. And you know, I have a routine too, but I don't think that all of these little things that I'm doing are curing a bigger issue that I have. Like if I'm burnt out, What's going to save me is not a meditative session and a journaling session. What's going to save me is or are bigger, more important things, which I will discuss in a moment that I think are a lot more crucial and necessary for everyone to have in order to thrive. I also think, I wrote this in my notes, but I also think that, you know, painting all these little things as just a one size fits all solution without realizing that everyone is an individual that we have. There's a lot of complexities. Um, it's just putting a bandaid on other issues that are barring individuals or even collective people from feeling well or from having wellness and health mentally and physically things like poverty things like mental illness and lack of resources to get them, things like access to affordable housing, because that for sure would really improve people's overall health. And we know that. These are the real, I guess, topics that need to be discussed and the solutions that need to be found to actually see a change on a, on a societal level. Like, I don't think that... If someone isn't able to afford housing, that you know, doing all of these little self-care techniques um, are going is going to ultimately uh, help them. So I kind of went off on a tangent there, and I honestly think this is a very, very complex issue that has. There's a lot of gray areas and needs to be discussed in greater detail. But at the end of the day, I do think that self-care need, shouldn't be as romanticized as it currently is. And it shouldn't just be an aesthetic. And as well, self care is different for everyone. And also, I think just in general, rest is the most important thing. Um, And just being able to rest. So, a few things that have actually helped to improve uh, my overall well being. The first one I said was support and social connection, because without having connection and relationships with other people, whether it is romantic relationships, family, friends, and I think we need all three on some level, you won't be able to thrive. We are wired for connection. We are social beings and we need others around us in order to feel like we belong, in order to feel like we have a place in the world, in order to feel, I'm not going to say validated, but in order to feel at home and in place. I think that our connections with others and it doesn't have to only be the three relationships that I mentioned. It can also be with colleagues, it can be through maybe a therapist you've connected with. Connections are so important and integral to healing and yeah, they're necessary. I mean, I don't think I don't think anyone wants to feel isolated and I think It's definitely important to have people around you that you're able to trust, especially when you're going through a tough time, uh, to be able to talk it out with them, to have someone where you can discuss with them what's going on with you, someone you can rely on if maybe you're having, you're going through a tough time or a rough period, right? We need those people. The second thing, uh, which is so obvious is money. Like, you know, wearing like going to a yoga class and and like going to the gym and then drinking like $10 smoothies. That means nothing if you don't have money, like money. I think when people say money doesn't buy happiness, I think that is a very, like, you can't say that because money does solve a lot of issues for people. And when you have a certain level of money, you have security. And I don't think, I think if you don't have security, you will not be thriving. We need Certain levels of stability in order to feel okay. So, definitely for me, support having more money has made me feel healthier, being able to rely on myself and become independent. So, the freedom to be myself, and as well, you know, being free and not being controlled by others, being able to choose what I want to do. Um, you know. This also kind of goes hand in hand with money, like becoming financially independent as I've grown older has made me feel a lot happier and more, I guess, mentally stable. Um, The last thing I put was access to therapy, which again, it all goes back to money because you need money to gain access to therapy. And then it goes to this deeper issue of the fact that it is not affordable for most people to be able to survive and to get therapy and to get the help that they need. So I think it all just comes down to having access to all of these and that is what is the most important. I think I'm going to stop talking about this now because I'm like, I'm rambling and i hope that I made a point with this. I know a lot of other people have brought this point up as well. I'm not the first one to discuss or talk about this. And I'm pretty sure that others have discussed it in a much better way or are more educated than I am on this topic because this is not, this is definitely not my area of expertise. But again, those are just some things that for me personally have led to an improvement over the little simple. Tiny things. And again, that's not to say that they can't help or that a routine can't help us to feel better. Definitely, I'm not saying that. But I do think that too much credit is given and credit is not due there. That's my whole point. So, yeah. (laughs) So, I hope you enjoy the topics of today's discussion. I definitely did, and I I really had a great time talking about it. Hopefully, I will be back with another podcast episode sooner rather than later. I have a lot of things that I wanted to discuss, talk about. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week, and I will definitely see you soon. Thank you.